Hello. Hey, all right. Good to see everyone this morning. You can come on. For, you can sit right here on the floor, too, over here, so you can see a little better. You guys are in a good spot right there. Way to go. All right. Good. All right, so I have something to show you this morning. What's this? A house. Yeah. So here's a house. Now I have a question. What is the purpose of a house? Keep people warm. Keep us safe. Keep us dry. Yeah, to keep us in good shape and keep us warm. Yeah, a place to gather with our family. So houses have a purpose, right? Houses have a purpose. Now, let me ask you this. Do all houses look the same? Okay, here, you can hold that. Does this house look the same as that one? No. Hold that. What about this one? Does this look the same? No. How about these? No, there's lots of different types of houses. Look at that one. That one's a little different, isn't it? Right? Houses in different countries or different places might look different from others, right? So all the houses don't look the same, right? But they all have the same purpose, right? To keep people warm and safe, right? But they look different, and they have different, they have different characteristics, right? Different functions, right? Okay, so <laughs> there you go. All right, so houses, listen, houses have the same purpose for us, but they look different. They have different characteristics and just different functions. Hang on. Okay? So today, we're going to be talking about God creating man, God creating people, right? And did God create people for a purpose? He did, right? God created people with a purpose to glorify God, to honor God and to please Him with our lives, right? That's our purpose for people being created. But do all people look the same? No, God created people different, didn't He? God, we're going to read in, in the Bible this morning that God created people to be male and female. So there are some, some people who are men and some who are women, right? Some boys and some girls, right? So God created people to be different. But we have the same purpose, don't we? Men and women, male, female, we have the same purpose to glorify God and honor Him with our lives. And yet, we are different. Male is different than female, right? We have different characteristics physically. We have different characteristics in our personalities and things like that. And we have different functions, right? God created male men to, to work and to protect and to provide. God created female to be care, caring and nurturing and those things. So God created people all with great value and purpose, which is the same, and yet we are very different male and female, right? And so Pastor Jim is going to come and he's going to tell us more about this. But just like all these houses, like this house has a function of staying, keep, keeping up and staying dry, right, out of the water, right? Other houses have the function of getting water and snow away so it doesn't hurt people, right? So there's different functions, and yet they all have the same purpose of uh, giving us a place. And it's the same. God created us with purpose, and yet male and female are different for God's purposes, and they fit together well. So you guys can go back. If you have a picture, you can keep the picture. 
And uh, Pastor Jeremy's going to come up and tell us, preach. Check. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Genesis 1, 26 to 28. As Pastor Jeff said, we are talking male and female this morning. Last week, we talked about being created in God's image. This week, male and female. Next week, the calling to have dominion, be fruitful, and multiply. So three weeks on who we are. A couple things in the intro. First, is there any place in the Bible that we are uh, found to be more rebellious than in, the, than in Genesis chapter 1? I just want you to admit right from the beginning that that's you. Um, and, and not you as in somebody sitting next to you, but you as in you. Uh, I know it's one of the things that we as Christians do is we can point at the world all the time and say, you believe evolution and you don't see us created God's image and you deny male and female and you, you, but we. And judgment always begins with the household of God. You cannot deal with somebody's speck in their eye until you deal with the plank in your own. Um, and so I just want to say, do you boldly confess the truths of Genesis 1? When's the last time you named God as the creator of all things before somebody else? When's the last time you actually said, no, there's only two sexes? When, when have you confessed your maleness or your femaleness? So that's it. So I, I, I want you to... I, I, Pray asking that you would listen to this text, not thinking about the world and its failure, although we'll talk about that, not thinking about your husband and how miserable he is at understanding what a woman is, thinking about yourself. Second, uh, I realize I talk about this a lot. And I'm not hyperbolizing there, like, a lot. If you're here on a weekly basis, a couple times a month for sure. And I know because of that, you can kind of roll your eyes and go, here we go again. Um, let me just give you an apology, not like apologizing, but a reason, reasons why I do this. Um, first... When we're talking about male and female, it is fundamental to who you are. You interact in this world and with other people mainly because of your sex. It is essential then to your life, to your happiness, to your joy, and to the happiness of joy in others. <clears throat> Second, there is no place in this world where there is more pushback and rebellion than that truth, male and female. So on the one hand, this is utterly fundamental to who you are as a person. And on the other hand, there is a warfare going on at that point. And I can tell you in 15 years of ministry, there is nothing that has been more harmful to human beings 
than this issue. Every marriage counseling issue relates back to male and female. Every one of them. And it's never identified. It's never identified as the issue. But it's always the issue. A husband who won't act like a man and a woman who won't respect their husband as a man. Husband often ends up feeling like a child in the relationship and the wife often ends up feeling like she's got an extra kid. And it's always related to male and female. There is so much pain and hurt in this issue. So much. And I'm not even starting to talk about gay and transgender stuff, which is just destroying lives. Uh, And so pastorally, it's the issue. Because it's fundamental to who you are And there is no greater rebellion in the world than at that issue. I would also say, the reason it's brought up frequently, because it's in scriptures frequently. It's there. And so don't don't tire of it, please. Now, I know sometimes my tone is unhelpful. I know I can push. I'm a blockhead. I'm just as sinful as you are. Uh, But this is important. And let me show you how important it is, okay? We've already preached this, but I want to remind you. So you have your fingers in Genesis 1. Keep them there and flip to 1 Corinthians 6. I just want to show you how vital this issue is. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Now, if you're reading out of the ESV... They have lied here in this translation, in this verse. They have translated out what the Greek plainly put in. But if you're reading the New American Standard or King James or New King James or an older translation, all of them have it in. It's only since the NIV that we've taken it out. It should read in verse 9, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. And and then this is where they mess it up. There's two Greek words here. One is homosexual. The other is effeminate. So it should read, nor homosexuals, nor the effeminate will inherit the kingdom of God. Two Greek words. The reason that the ESV and the NIV combine them is because they want to accommodate our culture. And there is nothing more egregious in our culture than to say that male is something and that if a man acts like a woman, that's bad. That's what the word effeminate means. Now, just to be careful here, effeminate is not an assault on femininity. It's an assault on a man who's acting Feminine. Okay? Femininity is beautiful in a woman and it's ugly in a man. And it is actually very easy to see when a man is acting womanish. You cringe when you see it. You cringe when you see a man who's carrying himself like a woman does or talks like a woman does. And same thing when you see a woman who's acting butch. A woman who's carrying herself as a man. You know that's gross. You cringe. 
because you know men and women are different. But here's the important part, okay? Now, I know I've probably turned you all off right away, but I want to show you the importance of this, okay? You got to give me a hearing here. Do you not know, Paul writes, the inspired apostle Paul, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And then he lists what what unrighteousness he has in mind that, that the church in Corinth are living in. And one of those is effeminacy. So men who deny their God-given sex and live womanish will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the opposite would hold true as well then. So this, this is important. This is important. Just as somebody who continues on in sexual immorality will not inherit the kingdom of God, so a man who continues on with a womanly bearing will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just as a thief who continues stealing will not inherit the kingdom of God, so a woman who denies her God-given femininity and carries in her a bearing of a man will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is essential, brothers and sisters. This is essential. So this is why I bring it up so much, because our little boys and young men and men are constantly taught that woman things are good in our world and man things are bad. Just, just give you a simple example. You've all seen it probably, the latest Gillette. Masculinity is toxic. <clears throat> right, You've got to shave your masculinity. <laughs> Manly things are toxic in our world. It's the same thing in a church. If you were to see two women talking, and it was apparent that one woman was correcting another woman, and she was doing it so gently and kindly, and had her arm around her, and you would walk by and say, that's a godly woman. Let's say you turned the corner of a hallway, and you saw another man, and the man was saying to another man, quit being an idiot. Knock it off you would immediately think that man is doing something wrong. They're doing the same exact thing for each other. A woman is doing it in a womanly way, and a man is doing it in a manly way, and everybody thinks the woman's godly, and everybody thinks the man isn't. All the time. Because we are taught in the church that femininity is godly, and masculinity isn't. So this is the church's fault. So everybody following me? So male and female is vital. It's vital, it's vital, it's vital, it's vital, it's vital. It's big. So what I want to do is look at verse 27 and do two things. I want to look at the equality of men and women. Now I want to look at the differences. Pretty simple sermon outline today. The equality, the dignity of male and female creating God's image, and then the differences. Let me read verse 27, pray, and then look at the equality and differences. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. 
male and female, he created them. Let's pray. Eternal Father, your word is our hope and is our only comfort in this world. And so that we, we ask that you keep us from turning aside to your word, especially here. Teach us to observe your precepts, to love them with all of our heart. God, teach us not to just submit to them, but to love your word. And teach us to burn with indignation at our own lives where we forsake it. And so God, please help us. In Jesus' name, amen. So again, last week we looked at that we're creating God's image. Hopefully we learned that the image of God mainly relates to the fact that God created us spiritually alive. We have souls. And we are meant to commune with God. That, that's what it means to be created in the image of God. No other created being or animal or plant has this. We alone do. And he created us with two sexes. Male and female. One is not the other. And yet both are equally created in God's image. That is, males aren't half of God's image and females the other half. No, a woman is fully created in God's image and a man is fully created in God's image. And how we express that image in the earth is very different. Both are needed. As Mike prayed and I think Jeff said, both are complementary to each other. The world is better because of this. We're equal in dignity, equal in worth, equal in value, equal in the created God's image, but different. <clears throat> and you know, because of sin, it's created a lot of trouble. Every husband wishes his wife was a little bit more like him because he's lazy and wants loving her to be easy. And every woman wishes her husband would learn her to love her like her girlfriends love her. And we have conflict because of this. Just simply put, okay, you're not good at this. I'm not good at this. We are bad at being male and female because of sin. So don't, don't, don't think that you're going to get this right. I hope we get a little better, but we're all pretty awful at this. Okay? Men do not do well at being heads of their wives or heads in the church, or heads in the workplace, and women fail frequently at being respectful and submissive. So please, no pretense this morning. We're, we have a lot to learn here. So equality. I mean equality in three ways. Okay? First, the most obvious one is here we see in verse 27, God created man his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So we're equal before God in dignity and worth. Both of us, as I said, are made in his image. We have much in common. We're both created by God, male and female. We're both created in his image, male and female. We both have great dignity and worth. No man has more value than a woman, and no woman has more dignity than a man. Okay? Don't miss that. Two, this equality does not imply sameness. This is the thing that our world hates. We are very different, male and female. But in those differences, how men and women express being created in God's image differently are of equal importance. That's another point of equality. 
how a man bears God's image on earth is equally as important as how a woman bears God's image. And how a woman bears God's image on earth, her unique way of living in this world as female is as equally important as how a male bears God's image. Okay? So number one, we are equal in dignity and worth. Number two, the very differences that you as a man and you as a woman live forth in God's image are equally important and needed on this earth. Okay? Now again, in our world, femininity isn't under direct assault. Masculinity is. And so you're going to hear me talk a little bit more about that, but that's not because I, I want to downplay the importance of femininity. Every child needs feminine love. Every church needs feminine love. But feminine love is acceptable in our world and masculine isn't. But they're both vitally needed. The reason why so many lives are messed up is because they don't have masculine love. They're hungry for a father. It's vital. There is a one-to-one correlation between a child not being, knowing masculine love and him ending up in trouble with the law. Always. You want to know the problem in our world? It's that one. Okay? So, one, equal in dignity and worth, creating God's image. Two, equal in our differences, equal of importance. Three, this one, the term, the word equal isn't going to be that helpful. And I need you to think a little bit here with me. Sex, as I've said, sex in the sense of not intercourse, but sex in the sense of being created male and female, um, is an essential fundamental part of who you are. If you want to know yourself, you, as a man, you need to know manliness and masculinity. If you want to know yourself as a woman, you need to know your femininity. And, and as, as we said last week, you were created body, physical, and soul, spiritual. You have a mind. You have a soul. You have a spirit. You, you have a body. You have taste. You have senses. And as a woman... You are womanly in all of those parts. You are unified whole. You're not just like uh, a woman biologically, but your mind is genderless or sexless. This is something that is a struggle for people. Women think womanly. <laughs> they're, they're feminine in their brain. They're feminine in their body. They're, they're feminine in their soul. A man is masculine through and through. Every part of it, he's a unified whole. You're not sexless in certain parts and sex in other parts. You are, you are through and through male or through and through female. Now, why does this matter? Why would I even point that out? Because sex isn't just a role you take on and off. It's who you are through and through. You can't put on maleness as an elder and then check it at the door at your workplace. Right? You can't put on your femininity in relationship to your daughters and then try to put on masculinity in relationship to your sons as a woman. It's fundamental to who you are. You are a male wherever you are 
in every part, and you are a female wherever you are in every part. And I just want you to rejoice in that. Praise God for your masculinity as a man. Glory in God for the beauty and tenderness of your femininity as a woman. It is awesome, male and female. In every part, it's a wonder. Our world is richer because of these differences. So rejoice in them, brothers and sisters. Don't let this world steal your joy of masculinity and femininity. Don't let it destroy it. It's a glory. Second, why does this matter that you are masculine through and through or feminine? Because it's really helpful in learning to relate to other people. It's really helpful in your marriage to learn that your wife isn't one of the guys. She doesn't want to be treated like one of the guys. And your husband isn't like one of your girlfriends or one of your children. He's a man through and through. And, and you as a husband or you as a friend, you as a church member, we need to relate to men as men and women as women. And it's a delight when it works. And it is awful when it's denied. It is destructive and painful when one is elevated and the other is neglected. So that's the unity. Okay? Now this is also true Third reason why this is important. This is true for your sanctification. Do you know that? If you remember last week, we are creating God's image, and because of sin and the fall, this image is ruined. It's not lost, but it is marred, spoiled. And, and when we come to faith in Christ, when God comes and makes us alive in Christ by faith, he is in essence, restoring us back into the image of God. That's what sanctification is. When God makes you alive, right, he, he begins a work of making you more like himself again. And that's going to end, be completed, fulfilled when Christ returns, glorified. And in between the moment of your regeneration and the moment of your glorification is a lifetime of sanctification, of of growing to become more like God, being recreated in God's image. And as a man, you are going to be sanctified in your manliness. You're going to grow to learn to take on what you lost in the fall. And as a woman, you're going to be sanctified in your womanliness. So sanctification isn't androgynous. Women and men will be sanctified in many ways similarly and in many ways very differently. And if you try to disciple a man like you disciple a woman, you're going to screw him up. And if you try to disciple your son like you try to disciple your daughter, you're going to mess him up. And vice versa. And so young men, you're alive in Christ. We, we need you to become men. We need you to take up your masculinity and live it. Sing like a man, talk like a man, work like a man. And young women, the same thing with you. We need you to embrace your femininity, to embrace your God-given, glorious femininity and live it. All right, so first part, equal. 
equal. Equal in dignity, creating God's image. Equal in importance in our differences. And equal in the sense of a man is a man through and through. He's a unified being and a woman is a unified woman through and through. So what's the difference? And this is where everybody loves what I just said, right? Amen. Equal. Yeah. Let's pray. We're done, right? <clears throat> you guys have a sense of humor every once in a while. Good job. All right. Uh, let me just say, um, I usually, how I do sermon prep is I read the text and read the text and read the text and read related text and I start taking notes and then I uh, read commentaries and articles and books and listen to stuff. And I usually, at the end of it, after I'm done taking notes, have five, six, seven pages of the notes. I have like 15 for this sermon. And I am really dependent on a lot of godly men and women for this. And I don't want you to think that I, this is just me. I, on your sermon outline, you'll notice on the back, I give you some resources. I, I tried to pick out the main ones that were most helpful to me. And so I encourage you, listen, if you're confused of what a man is, you've got to study. You're going to have to, you're gonna have to search it out. If, if you don't know what it means to be feminine, you're going to have to do some work. Okay? And so here are some resources. The, the bottom one is a, is, a, is a conference talk on what makes, a man a man, uh, what, what makes men men. I sent it to our elders this week. It, the title is a little uh, misleading because he talks just about what makes a woman a woman in that text. It's a little um, um, dry and a little dense maybe, but I, I think it's gold. He's good. Uh, man and Woman in Christian Perspective is probably the best book I've read at this point on, on male and female, this text. It's really good. It's very readable. It's actually a German guy translating English, but very readable. Uh, and so th- there are some. If you want to talk about more, I'd love to talk more about this, uh, but there are some resources for you. And I, I just want to give credit to these people. I, I, I learn over the years from these folks, and uh, got to give credit where credit is due. Um, there is no pastor, no person who doesn't stand on the shoulders of many others, and that's me. All right, so notice, so here, here I want to get to, if, if, if we were to describe what makes men men and what makes woman woman in one word for each, what would it be? That's what I want to do. I want to try to keep this very simple. What makes men men and what makes woman woman? So the, the, what makes men, men is contained in one word, father. And what makes woman, woman is contained in one word, mother. You want to know what a man is, it's fatherhood. You want to know what a woman is, it's motherhood. Now, don't get mad yet and all up in arms for the singles here. I don't mean here mainly biological fatherhood and biological motherhood. I don't mean mainly intercourse that produces a child that makes one a father. Or I mean fatherhood in its essence. Wherever a man is, he's a father, even if he doesn't have children. You want to know what it means to be a man? Learn what it means to be a father. That defines manhood. Same thing with 
woman. You want to know what femininity is? Learn motherhood. Why do I say that? Look at verse 27. Male and female, he created them. Then where does he go next? And he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. You're male and female. Essential to your sex is fatherhood and motherhood. What makes men men is fatherhood. What makes woman woman is motherhood. There is a goal of man as father and a goal of woman as mother. Again, I am not here only referring to the biological fathering or the biological mothering. I, I mean it in a, in a more essential sense. Men are made to be fatherly. Women are made to be motherly. And it defines you as a man, as a woman, wherever you are. Now, this is, this is so obvious in children. This is so obvious in children. I was the oldest of four with three younger sisters. Thank God. Otherwise, they would have had me playing house. And I would have been dressed up and tea parties and... Uh, but instead, they had to play war. <laughs> right? Right, right, right? You can see it in kids, young women. Everything they do is motherly. Young girls, everything. I love it, my girls doing that. We have a, a playhouse in our backyard, and it is a house that they have turned into a home. It's, it's written in their souls by God, this mothering. Right? My sons, everything becomes a, a weapon because they're made to be manly fathers who protect. That's what they're training to do. There's a reason that all of you as boys have Nerf guns. It's written in your soul by God. You are made to be father. And women, you are made to be mother. So if you want to know yourself as a man, you have to know and take up what a father is for. If you want to know yourself as a woman, you have to know and take up what a mother is for. Again, this is not about biological function only. That's, that's a big part of it. I'm not going to deny that. We'll get into that next week. There is a reason that Paul tells older women to train the younger women. And it's all related to mothering. There's a reason why Jesus told 12 male disciples so he could father them. There's a reason why elders in the church should only be men because they're fathers. There's a reason why men should wear badges and guns out in our society because they're made to protect and father people. Why are men so less careful with their bodily safety and women so much concerned about it? especially for others. Why are young boys so reckless physically, putting themselves in safety danger all the time? And why do moms go, ah, 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 don't, ah, ah. 
right? Why? Because fathers are made to put their bodies in harm's way to protect. And women use their bodies to nurture and give life. Men are hard. Women are tender, soft. Now, by soft, I don't mean that negatively. Soft in our culture means wimpy. I don't mean that. Women are not wimpy. God, they give birth. I mean soft as nurturing, soft as tendering. Because a man is made to be a father who protects, who provides, who, who physically, emotionally gets himself between that and danger. A woman is often mothering, tenderling, chicken with her broodling. She's protecting that way. This is true biologically, isn't it? Look at your bodies as men and women. Now, some of you have grown older and your bodies aren't what they once were. But in your glory, what is the male body? It's physically harder. This is true of your sex organs. This is true through and through is the point. Males are, bones are denser. Muscles are harder. Women's bodies are biologically softer. For God's appointed purposes of fatherhood and motherhood. This is you through and through. Isn't that true? Isn't God's world right? Doesn't the nature prove the revelation? You are made for totally different ends. Why can men only focus on one thing at a time? I know this is a joke, but it's true. A man cannot have a conversation with his wife and do a task. I mean, he can lie about it. He can, yeah, 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 yeah. And then 10 minutes later, he'll ask her exactly what she explained because he didn't hear a thing. And why can women seemingly handle 300 things at once and do them well? This is true. Why? Because men are made to focus as protectors and providers. They got one thing on their mind. Their, their psyche is driven at that. And a woman is often keeping a home and there are 300 things going at once and God has equipped her to do it. And it is a glory and both are needed. And so wives, don't get upset with your husbands in it. That's what he's made for. And husbands, listen to your wives. Put down the phone, put down the task and give her attention. This gets another part. Why do men often neglect people or not see a person as a human? And why do women always concerned about relationships? Always concerned about the person, the human, right before her? Because that's how we're made. That's what we're for. Right, we could go on and on and on with this. Isn't it evident? Is this not evident? You, you are very different. You are made for very different goals, tasks, vocations. Your calling as masculine is a vocation for you to take up. Your calling as woman feminine is a vocation to take. It's not a role that you can take on and off. You are female wherever you are with a certain way to live in your femininity. And this extends beyond the church and the home. But we'll have last time to get into that. All right, so you were tracking with me, right? 
Um, we're getting out of time here. We got weeks to come. So I think that's enough, right? For now. As long as you can leave here with, as a man, you're made to father. As an older man, there are younger men in this church that need you to father them. Younger men, if your biological father like mine is no longer here or available or your biological father has checked out on you, you'll need older men in this church to father you. You're looking for it all the time. Women, older women, you're actually commanded in Titus 2 to train younger women. And it doesn't just leave it ambiguous what you're trained. It actually gives you the exact curriculum to train them with. We need you. And we need you to do it in your femininity, women, and in your masculinity, men. So, summing it up, equal in dignity and worth, equal, the differences in maleness and femaleness, both needed, equal in that a man is a man through and through and a woman is through and through in every part, and yet very different. Let me say this. Men, you're supposed to be hard. By hard, I don't mean jerk. By hard, I don't mean crude and rude. By hard, I mean protector, forceful, truthful, working, diligently, courageous, warrior. You're a fighter. You're contending for truth. We're the church militant. We're the father militant. We're the businessman militant. We pray. We make war on abortion. Women, you are supposed to be mothers, life givers, nurturers, a husband's helpmate. Keep your homes. Greater vision for your home. You'll know, I'll, I'll struggle to talk about women throughout this because I'm not one. That's why older women are supposed to teach to younger women. All right, so application real quick. Men, pray for, for God to help you take up your manliness. Work hard. Work really hard. Stop making excuses. Stop blaming other people. Work hard. Women, pray for God to help you embrace and take up your femininity. Embrace your God-given weakness. First Peter, we'll get into this. God says that a woman is a weaker vessel. Embrace it. Welcome it. Let's pray. Father, praise you for your creation. It is incredible. Thank you for all the variety and variation and beauty and amount. And then we praise you especially for making us in your image and for making us male and female. Father, we ask that you would teach us as men to be manly and those who are women to be womanly, that we as a church would not follow the world in denying and rebelling against masculinity, but encouraging it, even in in how we sing and evaluating men and 
So God, please help us here. Help us to love the feminine. Help us to help marriages and parenting and relationships improve to your glory. God, help us to realize that we are in, we're sinful. We're, we're messed up. And so we need your grace. And so God, we ask that you give it. In Jesus' name, amen. The charge is this. Husbands, you were made hard for the sake of others, not to serve yourself. And so men, serve others in your masculine women. You were made uh, to give life and nurture life. And the one thing you often respect, uh, uh, struggle with in regards to men is to respect them. And so wives, respect your husbands. Women, respect the men and masculinity of our church. Young sisters, respect your brothers. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. I love you.